Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Baseball Mental Performance Mastery Podcast with Kane and Casey. And super excited that you're going to join Sean, the mayor, Casey, and I to talk about mental performance in baseball on this podcast. Now, the first seven episodes, you're going to hear me refer to this podcast as Coffee with Kane and Casey. And that was kind of the name that we gave it when we first got started. And then as we were going through it, we kind of came to the realization that yeah, we're having coffee as we do it, but we're always talking about baseball mental performance mastery. So let's just call it what it is. Baseball mental performance mastery with Kane and Casey. We talk about the mental game and what you can do both on and off the field to level up and play your best when it means the most. We talk about routines, process, mindset, competing one pitch at a time, and you get to hear from one of baseball's best hitters. Sean is a lifetime 300 hitter and current analyst for the MLB Network, so we bring on different guests that are playing in Major League Baseball, guests that Sean played with, they're some of the greats of Major League Baseball, and we talk about all things baseball mental performance mastery. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to be on the show with us, you can email me, brian at briancane.com, or if you head over to the No Filter Network, just Google No Filter Network, and when you go there, click on Hosts, click on Brian Kane, and we can get you a ticket to come on the show, and you can be a part of Baseball Mental Performance Mastery with Kane and Casey. Let's get to it and dominate the day. Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Coffee with Kane and Casey, and we are joined today with special guest Jason Gorilli. Case, I know you and Grilly go way back, man. So if you want to take it from here, let's rock and roll. Yeah. I'm, I'm honored to be here with you guys. Oh, man, this is going to be a great one, Kaner. Man, Jason Grilly, obviously one of my best buddies in the game and just one of my best friends in the world. And we'll, we, we, we love having you on, bro. Where, where are you, man? Where are you right now? At the barn. Uh, up here in uh, uh, the North Hills of Wexford. I just uh, bought a 16-acre farm. And uh, I'm just in my office here. As you see, I'm, I'm trying to renovate. I got my, my long journeyman. They tell me the journeyman. That's some of my jerseys I've collected along the way. You know, I've bag well traveled. I've played with a lot of guys. And uh, Case, when he first got traded, man, that's the we really got to hung, hang out. And, you know, love his energy. Still good, my good friend and fraternity brother. And thanks for having me on the show, guys. Well, Bro, let's break it down a little bit, bro. You played parts of what, seventeen years in the big leagues? Yeah, I got uh I got a lot of time. It's uh yeah. a lot 15, of- I got I count I count see I count my my uh pension time. I don't count the season twelve. If I played a day, that doesn't count as it counts as a day, it doesn't count as a season. Yeah, but no one knows that but you and me. So when they when they look it up, they go, This guy played seventeen years, even if he played three days somewhere, you know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> I got like three weeks with the Indians. I count that year. I'm like 12 years. It's really 11 and certain time, but I'll take right. 12. You know what I mean? I'll take right. 15. I'll take 15. Yeah, yeah, dude. Your story is great, man. You just you you have such you know. I want to I want to just kind of go back. Like you know, obviously we played in the World Series together in 2006. What a year that was! I watched you with the Buccos when they went to the wild card. You were like the the, 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 what was it? The Shark Tank, whatever you guys had down there, bullpen. You guys were like, you know, nationwide. This city was going crazy. You were, you were leading the way. Um, but I want to go back to your childhood because your dad, Steve, was, uh, you know, played in the big leagues, parts of four seasons, a few years with the Tigers. You were born in Detroit. Um, I want to go back to that a little bit too because I know, I know that you talk about your mentality. You wore that grilly name with pride. Right, you really did, and I know. I know your dad, and you're very close to your dad. 
you wore that Kool-Aid name with, with, you know what, I'm out here representing my name. Can you take us back a little bit to what your dad meant to you as far as your career goes as a kid growing up in Syracuse, all the things you did, and wearing that Kool-Aid name, like what that meant to you, especially mentally when you took the mound? Well, I could say uh, you asked me 20 questions, Case. I'll give the first one. Is, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. I got to do better. This is no filter with Sean Casey. So first, I'll try with my name. I'll be an Italian. Being honest, I, I grew up with a dad, a great father. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding. And I tell people all the time, I said, my dad just happened to be an ex-big leaguer. I had a good uh, mentor who understood a little bit more than, you know, your typical father. Uh, I was a little bit of an outlier in that sense. Uh, you can see behind me, I got pictures of my dad and his career there. Um yeah, I love my pops, and I, I said once, uh, uh, you know, I had that name, you know, there's a lot of guys that can play in the big leagues, but I wanted to make a name for myself because I, I took such great pride in my family, representing my family, and uh, my dad always says his father passed away from cancer too young. When I was like 11, he's like, your grandpa would have loved this, you know, and uh, it's cool. I even have a tape I found, guys, with Tommy Lasorda. I'm trying to get it redone because I had a cassette tape. Talk about the team, what it means. Tommy Lasorda, the great late Tommy Lasorda, gave us a speech in the first inaugural WBC. And one of the reporters recorded his speech to us. We were in this little shower in, in Orlando and in, in, uh, while we were the sports. And Tommy Lasorda talked about, hey, the name on the back lets you play for the one on the front. You know, Team Italia, he was going on. He had us crying. We wanted to rage, you know, just because Tommy Lasorda was bringing about Dodgers connection with us being. You know, we're trying to beat Team Australia or whoever we were playing at the time. So, yeah, taking pride in our name. Uh, Casey Ward on your back, too. Anybody that puts on a big league uni, you know, you represent your name and you try to represent it well because it's not only for you, it's especially your kids, you know, uh, your family name, your kids. You want to carry that legacy on. But I, I loved it. I uh, feel very blessed to have worn it across, like I said, umpteen amount of jerseys as I got over here. This is just some of them. I got another filled with a bunch more. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. Um, you know, okay. I, I was going to throw it to Kaner, but, you know, Kaner, I got one more thing before you jump in. I know you've got some things that you want to look at, too. Dude, your career, girl, you know, I, I want to go back to a little bit. Um, just You've had such resiliency in your career. I feel like your journey has been, you know, uh, first-round pick, the Marlins, you know, kind of come up with them up and down. Um, and then you, you found a couple homes, you know, when I look back really in Detroit, Pittsburgh were, were two places, obviously, that I saw you a lot. Can you bring us to the mentality of that? Like, like what, 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 what drove you to keep going and to have the career that you had? Yeah, well, you skipped it, team. I was actually the Giants. That <laughs> picked me further. I traded right, the Marlins. That's right, Giants. But yeah, my mentality was, um, you know, I just, I just wanted, like I said, go back to the name. I just wanted to do something great, uh, in the game that I loved and respected. It was taught to me. Um, and, and, you know, it was weird, the career path of having an injury. I felt like, Oh my God, like this is robbed too soon. I've had four quote unquote career ending surgeries, uh, without like where, where I met you in Detroit. I was just a middle reliever. I got thrown from being a starter where in 2005, I had two complete games. I was like, and we just got done, uh, pitched really well in AAA and we won the Governor's Cup in AAA. 
and me and Granderson and a whole bunch of guys that were on that World Series team, I felt like, hey, man, I'm finally like ready to crack in. I'm a big league pitcher. I'm ready for this. I had two two complete games, one win, one loss, but, uh, you know, I pitched really well. I felt like I showcased well. I said, hey, I'm ready to go in 2006, earn a starting spot, and let's let's get this going. Um, I've had several uh, injuries, two in my right elbow, you know, Achilles injury that's on YouTube, shows my my stress of my mentality, uh, losing some hair in the back, you know, but uh, tearing my quad out when I was with the Cleveland Indians. I, I just, I didn't want, I, I tried to tell these kids, make somebody rip your uniform off. I wanted to play this game as long as possible, and I played it and borrowed it for 20 years professionally. So, um, you know, that was my mentality. It was just, no, don't, don't quit, don't give up. And if I, if I had on myself, I wouldn't have had a chance to play in the wild card, be a closer, be a setup man. I did a lot of stuff in between, just befriend, you know, guys like Mike Trout and Roberto Osuna and guys like yourself. I just, I got to meet a lot of people along the way and it was, it was fun. Uh, you know, played for my, played for the Toronto Blue Jays, which I grew up uh, a big Blue Jay fan because Syracuse Chiefs were the AAA team that my dad's grew into with. Uh, you know, the dream, the dream was always kept alive, I think, because I, I wanted it to, but, uh, you know, there's a time when you, you surrender that too, right? You want to go home to your kids and my kids started playing and missing out on stuff. Uh, I remember looking at Mike Napoli when I was in Texas after my last outing, and at 40 years old, I'm looking up at the board like, do I do I walk off the field? I'm like, please please register something low or something that tell give me a sign, God, right? I just look back and see 95 on the board. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I still have it in there, but I'm leaving that on the table. I'm gonna leave it up there, like you know, Michael Jordan's last fucking shot, you know. So <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I shut down in Texas, the hottest place on earth, and I just looked at Napoli. No words were said, and I just uh, was like, "Yeah, it's time to give it up." You know, it's time to give it up. It's time to move on and do something else. It was it was fun time, and trying to get into broadcasting. You know, like what you're doing. If I can't play it anymore, love to talk it. You know, so yeah, you'll be in there at some point, man. You're such a good personality and so much knowledge of the game. You'll be you'll be jumping on with somebody at some point. I want to go back a little bit what you said, Grill, because, you know, Kane and I talk a lot about the mental game on here. Like, we talk about, you know, a lot of different facets, and you're really one of the first pitchers we've had on, which is pretty cool. So I want to pick your brain as far as, like, as far as the mentality of a starter and the mentality of a reliever. How is that different? Uh, well, little did I know, I, was, I think my mentality as a reliever was better because – a good outing or bad outing, you can get in there and, and, and recover and get in a fight. You know, if you have a bad outing, you dust yourself off, get, get back up again. Whereas a starter, there's so much preparation for one start. And, uh, feel bad for the guys now that, you know, that sometimes they're throwing a four and a third innings, good job. And they got to wait another five days or so. It's like the game, the brand of baseball that we, we played case and was brought up on. It's so much different, right? Uh, but I think being a reliever was was definitely more enticing, uh, and I'm grateful that I got that to, to be able to do that. Uh, I wish now that I could have, knowing that I I, I I had what 50 saves, I wish I could have tried to do that more often. I think uh, knowing that I had the mentality and the makeup more for that. But uh, I, I, you know, Kenny Rogers had a good conversation because I asked him. I was picking his brain when we were playing with him in Detroit, and he said being a reliever helped him be a starter. I think being a starter helped me be a better reliever. It, it goes hand in hand. 
And here's why. When you are a starter, you're not going to pitch out of the, the full windup all the time. There's going to be runners on base, right? I got to practice being a middle reliever, which made me a closer because I came in picking up the starters, you know, situation they created with bases loaded, maybe no outs, and Gary Sheffield or Albert Pujols. So I had to fix those guys and hopefully get out of the situation. You know, like, you know, here we go. And, and inherited runners was really the stat as a middle reliever. I, you know, if you ask, if you ask a guy, you tell a guy to do the job. If you want me to sweep the floor, then tell me what you want to expect of me, my expectations, and I can go do that. Setting a guy up for success to do that. And I think even as a, a teammate in the bullpen, I realized in getting it as a closer, sometimes I got credit for a save, but I had to kick it back to the guy that I'm like, no, that guy was the reason why we won the game. Sometimes the guy, the sixth, seventh inning guy, came in the toughest situation in the game. That was about difference maker. You know? Um but yeah, your mentality uh, is always different. I mean, I you know, how do you get out of a situation? It's like a puzzle. You know, I just I always looked at it like, how do I get out of this puzzle? If I created the situation, uh, <laughs> I want to make sure I got out of it. If I didn't create the situation, I wanted to see if I could get out of it for my teammates to get a couple uh, cold adult sodas after the game. You know, the <laughs> uh, so yeah. you know, I always made it challenging. Uh, I challenged myself, what's the carrot? You know, I was always chasing the carrot. Did you feel like, uh, you know, I, as, a, as a reliever, bro, you had just nasty stuff. You were 95, 97 at times, uh, upper 90s, with, with, a, with a, just a wipeout slider. And did, did you feel like because you could be max effort as a, as a reliever, you know, was the mentality of a starter, did you feel like as a starter you could get to that, you know, mid to upper 90s when you needed it? Like, just take us into that into that mentality of uh, of cruising as a as a starter and as a reliever. Well, admittedly, I think as a starter, my first inning was always my worst. I, I didn't know if I really found the great the right preparation, the pregame routine. I try to talk to all these kids. I go, and especially my sons. I'm like, dude, you don't understand like your pregame mentality. I mean, that could be just not just day of game, like all week. Like your preparation has to be on point. You know, we can talk about. Roy Holiday, they said he was so, uh, I never played with him, but I just heard stories. I just saw how anal he was about his preparation. Um, you know, my, if, I probably would have been a better starter if I could get rid of my first inning. You know, I just, I, I started clicking. And for me, it was, you know, trying to save or pace myself to get into the game because, I mean, you know, you had a different mentality that way. Uh, but I was always keyed up in the first inning. It took me an inning or two. The more tired I was, the better I was as a starter. So maybe I should, maybe I should have gone out the night before and had a couple pops <laughs> because I was picking up waiting those four days, um, uh, which I started drinking two or three beers the day before. It kind of helped me out, kind of relaxed me, just the anxiety. But uh, no, I, I think I think my personality was made up more. I mean, you know, I was an emotional guy. I wasn't afraid to show it on the field, and I used it. I just tried to use it, and um, that, that for me, was my difference maker. <clears throat> hey, so Good, I, if I can hop in here for a second. Please do. Interesting we're having this conversation about the difference between being a starter, being a middle reliever, being, being a closer, and, and Grilly, you've had a chance to do all of those. And, you know, I've, I've had a couple pitchers in pro baseball that in the same season have, you know, at the major league level and the minor league level, started and relieved, and they always come and they're like, man, I just don't know what my role is. And I, it's hard for me to get it going. And, and my answer to him is, 
It's like, hey, man, your role is when they put the ball in your hand, you go pound the zone, whether it's a starter, whether it's a bitter reliever, whether it's closer. And obviously, I love what you're saying about when you're in a reliever's role, you know you have a chance to get the ball every day. So it's a little bit easier to get back in the fight where a starter, you got to sit and live in it for a while. But is it is it a mentality that's going to help you as a pitcher to just say, my job is to execute pitches. And it doesn't matter if it's the first inning or the last inning or I come into the third inning. I'm going to go close that inning, and I'm going to take a closer's mentality to the start of the game because, like you've said, I think a lot of times guys can ease in when it's a start versus they come out attacking when they're coming out of the bullpen. Do you think the bullpen mentality in closing that first inning is a good mentality for guys that are doing both starter and, and reliever? Yeah, I think, again, I'll go back to what I said before, how you know Kenny Rogers said being a reliever made him a better starter. I used to play a game with myself and, and, you know, it's always about tricking your mind. You know, your, your mental coach, skills coach, it's just getting your mind into the right trickery. You can lie to yourself when you don't have it that day. You can feel sick and have the best game of your life. You can be so prepared and have the worst game of your life. So it's just how do you control, you know, the, the controllables? Uh, for me as a middle reliever, I used to take not just one or two outings. I tried to take, I pitched. You know, an inning and two-thirds a day, and I pitched another two and two-thirds as a reliever. I tried to take a block of nine innings and see how many runs I gave up just as if I was a starter. But I constantly played a game with myself, not on just one outing, on the course of, hey, if my ERA wasn't really a stat rep, but your numbers do matter, especially now, all the matrix. I took those that, that block of nine innings. And I said, how did I do? What did I do over the course of those nine innings, whether it was a week, week and a half where I got those nine innings of play and judge myself on my preparation, my my pregame, my, my postgame, and what, did I, what was I thinking in the game. So I really kind of started, and that's maturing, that's maturity in the game, right? Uh, it, it, it could be just superstitions. I mean, I was feeding Sean Casey bananas when he was at Detroit. <laughs> now, writing like, you know, what he was going to do that day, like my prediction of Sean Casey's day. For him, he said that kind of gave me some stupid thing that was superstitious. Like, where's my bananas? Because I was right on it with Black Marker. And it worked for him. And I'm like, great, man. I'm helping you out. I felt like I was in the batter's box with him just because I was fooling around with him and got a superstition going. So we read some article, I think, in Men's Health that bananas helped you concentrate. Yeah. And I was like, when I, when, I, when, I, when I would walk out, Kaner, I'd walk out that day. You know, Billy's obviously in the pen. So, you know, I'm going out to get ready to run my sprints at 645. And Grilly's locker was always right by the door where I had to go. He's like, all right, Casey, he goes into his locker, pull it out. Two for four, double, two ribbies. He'd give it to me. I go, thanks, bro. Boom. I swear to God, it wasn't many nights. He'd be like, where? There's my double. We'd come in and be like, really? I'm like, one for one with a double or a ribby. I'm like, got to get one more hit to make the banana come true. You know what I mean? It's like, it is funny how you play those games with yourself. Like, And it's funny because that that worked. Remember for me, Grill, how many times did that work? And it was like, just kind of a funny game, but you're right. It's like you play that mental game, like, hey, give me that, give me that banana grill. You tell me what's gonna happen tonight. You're the genie in the bottle, you know. You're lucky. You're lucky. I didn't have to go to the grocery store and just leave grocery bags full. If you were 0 for 15 or 0 for 20, we need to get Casey ahead. If he's two for two in the third inning with that double and two RBIs, do you run back and get him another banana? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, Billy, give me another one. I mean, yeah, I've already, I've already got two hits. I need four. I need the four for four. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, Grilly, you talked about the importance of playing mental games with yourself in case that's something that, that you've mentioned in the past too, when on these shows is the importance of playing mental games with yourself and putting the chip on the shoulder and, 
you know, is there anything specifically, because there'll be a lot of college baseball players, high school baseball players, youth players and coaches that'll listen to this. Is there any specific calm strategies or mental games that you guys would play with yourself, either keep you motivated or to get you locked in? As simple as uh, games, I think that's why some guys, you know, golf, you got to do something else competitive. We're, we're innately very competitive people. It's it, it's a very intense. We play 162 plus games, uh, play eight months, nine months out of the year, um, playing constantly, you know, some stuff, whether I, mean, I got a dartboard, I got a pool table here, uh, you know, shooting a popper shot or playing this Pac-Man or whatever. I always try to find something competitive to go, I beat this score, and I'm going to have a good day. You know, it's, it's lying to yourself. Some guys use their, their you know, uh, workout uh, mixed mixed playlist, you know. Uh, I used to listen to the same song. I followed into the same routine. And, you know, I, I think that's really what the word, the key was. I found a routine. Or I found something additional to add to what made me feel a certain way. Cause I go, what, what makes me successful? I chased that feeling. It wasn't even, it wasn't even, uh, what am I looking to say? It wasn't necessarily like, can I repeat this feeling? Can I repeat this preparation? Can I, can I always constantly feel even when things aren't going my way? Cause in baseball, let's, let's face it, you can do everything right and have a, a terrible week. Uh, but if you're know, like, Case we can tell you more of it as a hitter because you play every day getting four at bats. You can be hitting the ball on the screws and then you get all of a sudden you get this donkey or a swinging bunt and it breaks you open and all of a sudden he's going off. Uh, what clicks for a pitcher? Same thing. You know, sometimes you have bad outings. And I was like, dear God, you know, <laughs> just get three outs and just your confidence would soar. But you get three line drives with people. You're like, hey man, I owe you a couple sodas for making it <laughs> play. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a game of confidence. Baseball. Could be interchanged. The game is about confidence. Whatever gives you that confidence, you know. I know a lot of guys do esports gaming stuff. Um, I don't know. That's a new generational thing. I'm not used to all that, but uh, I knew uh, towards the latter part of my career, guys were sitting in their locker playing video games. If that locks you in uh, to get to get ready, if, if that's part of your routine, I, I can't knock it. I don't. I don't know that. Uh, it didn't work for me. It wasn't part of mine, but. Again, whatever works and whatever you find to work. Some guys are, are jamming on guitars and playing drums. And, you know, you, you'd see guys in the clubhouse kind of find that, that area where there's an auxiliary room, might read. I know Case, you, you did a lot of reading. Um, yeah. Whatever, whatever it's, it's individualistic, right? And you pick your teammate's brain if they're, you know, you look, I was always looking like, hey, what does this guy do? How come he does this, you know? Um, Shadowing, shadowing. Who's your rabbit? Who are you chasing? Like, if he's successful, I want to know what you're doing. Maybe I steal a piece of your secrets to, to know. And again, I'll use Roy Holiday. Everybody said, and AJ Burnett, uh, they said he was, uh, followed, tried to follow his routine and kept up with him when they were teammates in Toronto. Um, just because Roy was very, um, anal about his, his routine and it, and it, worked i mean it's it's hard to keep that you know what he did up but like you said that's why he was so great he, he found out what it was mastered it and once you get on that gas pedal you don't want to let off having success especially at the big league level yeah i, I agree like i even look at back, back at verlander you know we played with verlander his rookie year like 
you could tell he was developing a routine that was really that really really worked for him. And you could see on game day, man, this guy's ready to go. But you'd see his preparation those other four days, whether he was in the weight room lifting or whatever he was doing. You know, the routine was was really right on. I remember Pete Harness too when I first came up with the big man. This guy is so regimented. He's on the he's on the stairmaster the exact time and this day. And every time I go to the weight room, I can see Pete Harness doing this. You know, certain guys, but. I think, too, like you said, too, Grill, like, Kane, you know, confidence. It's such a game of confidence. And I used to do that, go too. Like, I used to go, like, used to do every nine innings. I used to go, you know, people say, well, you know, what about your struggle? I was like, no. When I first start the season out, I go 100 at-bats, 100 at-bat increments. That's how I broke it down. So if I was, like, 0 for 20, I'm like, I could go 40 for my next 80 and hit 400. Like, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you see. I gotta play games with myself in my mind. And I've always told Kane, I always, I always, I always say, like, in my mind, I always thought the storm's coming tomorrow. I'm coming to get somebody tomorrow. Like it was just a way of accomplishment for me to keep myself up. Cause I and I just never bought into like the slump thing. Oh, you're in a slump. I'm like, no, nah, I don't even use that. I don't even use that. That's irrelevant for me because it's about building confidence and it's the game of confidence. I almost felt like I was playing a game with myself, like, no, 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 no. Uh, the game's trying to pull you down, pull yourself up. The, the, the media's trying to pull you down, pull yourself up. A couple of teammates might be trying to pull you down, stay up, stay hot, stay, you know, stay locked in, don't get down. Like, and so for me, like another thing I played was like, I used to love, like when I was struggling, I would play the game, get jammed, the get jammed game. You know, I was like, okay, I stink right now because I'm, maybe there's some anxiety, confidence isn't high. I'm jumping out at pitches. I'm going to get balls. So I used to play the get jam game. You know, okay, I stink anyway. I'm giving the bats away. You know, I'm punching out and I, I'm, I'm rolling over. It's a freaking joke anyhow. I might as well give these next couple of bats away and get jammed. And I swear it was unbelievable. Every time I would get jammed, I'd get out of whatever I was in because it allowed me to really let the ball travel, see it deep, really trust it. Because they would say, you know, it takes, you know, that gumption to really – let the ball travel and really let let it see it late. And what happens is when you start to lose confidence, you start playing out front. When you play out front, you're in trouble. So, you know, there's always little games like that I played with myself mentally to, like, get me back to where I needed to go. Because at the end of the day, it was me versus me. And it's how how well do I play the games with myself? It doesn't really matter what you think, Kane, or what really thinks, or, my, or, or Jim Leland, or my coaches, or – Jack, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my dad, my mom, anyone thinks. It only matters what the games I can play with myself. It only matters what I think in my mind. And and I think confidence at the end of the day and in life is an inside job. How well am I talking to myself? How are my routines? How are my thoughts? All that stuff matters. So I know for me, like those are some of the games I played in my mind, you know, to try and get ready and, and try to keep my confidence up. You know, we're so acute and body of conscious awareness, right? You know when you're Timing is off, but I think a lot of people don't uh, equate the same things to what your mind's doing, you know, because it is the devil's workshop. You can let it spin and spin so much. And you, like you said, the variables of, you know, people say, oh, they don't care what you think. Well, I do. I care about a prideful of wearing that name on the back. We'll kick back to the beginning part of a conversation. I do care what they think. I'm wearing my name. Uh, I want to know that I'm represent for my, my team. I don't want to let my city down. Um, you know, the reporter is going to shove microphones in my rear end right after the game, whether I have a great game and a bad game. I need to be acute into every single detail of what I think 
what I'm eating, put in my body, how I'm training, you know, all my preparation, the pregame and the postgame to deal with how ready I am in game to enjoy. I think you got to really get the, the bookends of going, I want to enjoy that. So to your point, Case, I think that's a great thing. And Brian, I don't know, man, you, you're the mental guru here. Well, I want to ask you a question. It's interesting, Grilly. I'm looking at your, your Instagram account, at Grilled Cheese, which is fantastic. It's actually, uh, what is it, at Grilled Cheese 49. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the posts that you had on there, which actually ties into what we're talking about, is you say, you know, a lion never loses sleep over the opinion, opinions of sheep. But at the same time, we're still representing the name on the back. So, so there's a little bit of element of us that does care about what people say or what they write because of the name, because of the people that that can influence as well. But that lion can't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. So can you kind of talk about the blend of those two mentalities? Yeah, um, you know, I think it's it's being humble. I think, you know, staying at such a high level of intensity isn't always healthy. And I think, you know, um, here, here's, here's the if, if you haven't seen Ice Tea, uh, I've got a video on YouTube. Uh, and again, I'm sorry, I, to, I know there's no filter, but we don't want to swear too much. It's called F it. Yeah. You fill in the blanks with the rest of it. Ice tea F. You've seen that. So the edge where you go, I can take all these risks as a lion, right? And just go out there and just kill, kill, kill. Uh, that mentality, like I'm the best, roar, hear me roar, and and and, and do too much and, and and hurt myself. I can be a sheep and, and be killed. But I think there's like a blend of balance of knowing when to and you can't really turn on and turn off things, but I think it's just a balance of I guess for me, I'll go back to it's a routine. How to train and program your mind to say, okay, here's the buildup. You know, uh, for example, <laughs> people used to laugh. Melanch- Mark Melanson's in town with the Padres, and I saw him hanging out last night. And we were talking, and he's like, yeah, we used to laugh when you, you know, pee, poop, and puke. And as I'm puking in the seventh inning, I would pee in the fifth and poop in the sixth. My body <laughs> shutting down the digestive system. I didn't control that. But I was that's how keyed up I was to pitch. Wasn't nervous. I was more excited, and it was like my body was like, "Get rid of all that, and and get be prepared to play." But we laughed that we laughed over the the puking part because they're like, "And it's a good one." But my mentality was that's not not negative. That was something that I know my I realized my body is preparing me to get ready to do something great that I'm asking of it. And uh, you know, having that lion mentality is different for everybody. You just got to figure out what yours is. You know, it's not. Mine isn't the same as yours, Brian. Not the song the same as Sean's. You can apply something and learn it and say, does this work for me? Yes, great. I'm going to keep it. Can I add to it? Or no, this doesn't work for me. Discard it. Let me try it out. But it takes, it takes some guts and balls to say, I can change this. And you can do it at any time. And like you said, Chase, have the goal. To, I'm playing the jam game. Took, right. took confidence just in failing, right? You were failing forward. I think that's the thing in baseball is like, we got these high expectations. The fans want so much. Organizations paying me X amount of dollars. You know, I got to perform at this level. And the worst expectations are one, you look yourself in the mirror. What do I expect out of myself? Uh, that's the hardest one to please all the time because, uh, you know, we all want what we want. And, uh, as Mick Jagger said it best, you can't always get what you want. So, you know, just give it your best shot. I know it sounds so elementary saying like that, but truth, you know. It's funny you say that. I was doing. I mean, it makes me think about 
I, I was I think I took a piss before every bat I ever had. It was like six thousand pisses in the big leagues. I come in and just like I got I got a piss can. You know, it's unbelievable. Like I'm like it was just your body's way. I'm like I'm not even drinking water, and I gotta go to the bathroom before I go to. But it's just that that nervous energy, just kind of like honing it in and getting ready to, like, you know, getting ready to go to battle. It's like something something <laughs> something with your body. I don't know about the you know the uh, the, the puking and the and the pooping all the time, but you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll go kick it back to men's health. I must have been read, read that more than the uh, the naughty mag. <laughs> men's health said your digestive system shuts down. Your body's trying to rid everything out constantly so that your brain function focuses in at a higher level. So I'm not a doctor. I just read men's health a few times. <laughs> I tried to apply some of those principles because I didn't know everything. We didn't have all these mental coaches in the beginning. Of, well, we didn't have hey, all cool. this. Hey, bro, I want to I go back to that bullpen thing because I, I always wondered, like, as being an everyday player, you know, you, I knew what to expect. I'm going to get four bats. I'm going to come up from a couple big situations. I, I kind of knew what I was to expect, right? But as a reliever, especially for a guy like you, obviously you've closed at a high level. You're one of the best closers in the game, All-Star 2013. Um, uh, and, and I was with you in Detroit when you were kind of bridging the gap um, to Todd Jones, right? You were, you were right there. What is it like as a reliever when that, that phone rings in the bullpen and, and you don't know who's getting up? What's that like? Uh, well, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, you know, I was, I was kind of being a middle reliever, you're, you're basically a whipping boy down there because you don't know and you got to be ready at any time. But I, Leland had used me at one point, uh, quite a bit to, and during the week. And all of a sudden I had to get ready in three, like three pitches. And the Mets, I wasn't even ready mentally. I was like, I'm not getting this game. And I wound up and I gave up three runs during the Mets game or something. I think it was the Mets. Anyway, I just remember that feeling. I was like, I will never be unprepared. I will never. I don't care if it's I don't have it today. It was a lesson, like I said, just like you getting jammed. I had to get my feet or or it was a sacrificial outing, let's just say, to learn. And you hope that. Some of those detrimental to you, you know, being sent down, shipped out, or traded, or something like that. But it's it's one of those things where I, I think you it's a blessing uh, to to sometimes where you mentally go, okay, I learned to prepare better to know that situation. I, I was like, hey, yeah, I want to be ready. Or you know, when they're going around BP, going, hey, are you good? You never want to say, hey, I need a day. I mean, you, you got to know your place to say, ah, I need a day. If you're the closer, you're going to get that day. If you're the middle reliever, you might have to step it up. You might have to do a three-inning save that day to give your closer that shot. Uh, and, and I felt that I was that guy that year. Um, and, again, it prepared me for, hey, if I'm going to be the bullpen, I want to be the one that says, I know we got a three-run leader less, and I'm, I'm going in. So I think the middle of uh, being a middle reliever definitely made me and prepared me better because – I didn't have the luxury of a clean inning in the beginning. I had to pride myself on what stat was important to me. What was it? I was acute in, in, in my mind and my body to go. I want to focus on inherited runners more than my strikeout walks to strikeout ratio or my ERA even because my inherited runners, I said, if I can hold my inherited runners, I was doing a, a 72 or 3% clip. I think that year that's. And the reason I know that is because I had this conversation with Hurdle when I got traded. I said, 
I know I can be a closer or a late inning reliever. And he's like, why is that? I said, because of my inherited runners, an inherited runners scored percentage. I go, you're doing your job at 60%. Um, and I'm doing it at, at, a, at a clip that I'm one of the best in the middle of relief game because I'm doing it at a 70% clip, you know, and those five to three ball games, which now are 15 to 12 games, I guess, in <laughs> today's game. But those games that are in the balance where you're ahead or behind a few runs, that inherited runner guy, that's why I always, as a, as a closer or setup guy, I was like, you need to talk about the, those guys pitching this, maybe the fifth, sixth, or seventh inning that are really where the game's in balance. They get a big situation with the heart of the order up, and they're either getting out of it, not letting that, that go-ahead run score. Because you know, Case, you guys get down by five runs, you're like, damn, we got to work here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this pitcher, probably like, I don't want to put my team in that position. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that, that mentality, you know, answers your question. As a closer and as a reliever, the eighth inning to me was, was the most challenging because 90% of the time, 90, 95% is when the heart of the order, two, three, four, three, four, five was up in the eighth inning. Um, so that was almost harder than, than closing. Joe Hanrahan, who I set up for in 2012, he used to come in every time. He's like, man, Grill, you're making my job easier. <laughs> hey, man, you're making seven million. I'm making one. Make, maybe be, make, maybe pad your Christmas card with a little extra cheese. <laughs> you can fix more million than me. Why don't you pad my envelope? You know? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's just, you know, the mentality is the same, but it's different. I don't know if that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's, one of the things, you know, Jason, I, I didn't realize that you had had four career-ending surgeries, you know, and I know, Case, you, you had dealt with some injuries during your career, you know, and a lot of a lot of the athletes that come to me when they when they come to me to work on the mental game, it's often when they're doing some kind of rehab because they get frustrated, they're getting negative, and they just feel like they they don't know what they what they should be doing. How do I process this overcoming this injury and coming back to rehab? What advice would you guys have for baseball players that are going through that? grind of maybe the first time they, they've got hurt and now they can't do what they've always done and they got to go through that battle with rehab. What advice would you have for those guys have been there? I think, I think there's, you know, for me, I had a lot of injuries too. It's ridiculous. I, I feel them all now, you know, I, you know, I don't know if I felt them all when I played, I feel them all now. It's ridiculous. But I think there's a lot, there's, there, there's certain things about getting injured and especially big injuries. And, and, and the first part is the disappointment. You know, as soon as you get injured, there's disappointment. Now, I remember. I got traded to the Cincinnati Reds uh, for the opening star, Dave Verba. Boom. First day I'm there, places chanting Casey. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Can't wait. Fourth game, Jack McKee comes out to me before the game and says, hey, listen, tomorrow you're going to start starting every day. I'm going to have you in the lineup. You're going to be playing first base in third. Oh, I agree. This is awesome. Boom. We're in batting practice. There's a big, you know, the ironic thing, there's a big screen in front of me. Um, um, Pokey Reese is hitting. He hits a ground. Uh, Damian Jackson's playing second. Larkin's playing short. And Damian Jackson says, Case, we're going to turn a couple live off the bat, right? So anytime it's hit in VP, we're going to turn it. Pokey Reese hits the ball to Larkin. Boom. He turns it to Damian Jackson. Damian Jackson turns it to me. Bam. I catch it. I go to throw it back to the bucket in center field. You know, the guy's collecting the balls. So I throw it to the bucket. As I'm throwing to the bucket, another ball's been hit. Pokey hits one to Lark. Lark throws it to Damian. Damian throws it to me. I'm not looking. I'm standing like this, fourth day in the big leagues. Wham! Right here. Go down, orbital fracture. Out. 
out cold, knocked out cold, laying down, batting practice stops, stretcher comes out, takes me off, literally think my career is over. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, my break has just happened for the big leagues, and now my career is going to might be over. Like, are you kidding me? Go to the hospital. I'm in there. I come back. I have double vision. I go into a four-hour surgery a few about a week later after the swelling went down. They get my vision back. I come back, even talking to Dr. Kremchek at the time. He, you know, he didn't want to tell me, but he thought my career was over. But I remember in my mind thinking to myself, like, this is where I kind of lean on my faith a little bit. Like, God's going to give me nothing I can't handle, and I'm going to come back. You know, people might think my career is over, but it's not. I'm going to figure it out. And and so that was one of the first injuries. I did come back, and I, and I ended up, you know, in that second half, I, I did pretty well. And then 99, I had a really breakout year. But I had so many injuries along the way. And I remember that first big one getting hit in the eye was like, man, there, there's a there's such a disappointment initially. But then it's like we talked about before, Grill, how do I get my confidence back to know that I can do it? I can I can I can rehab. I can figure out a way back. And I believe in myself. I'm going to make it happen. And, you know, so many injuries. I, I look back at my career. I had so many different injuries and I came back from all of them. And, and no, I broke my back. I had a pelvic fracture, uh, knee surgery, blew out my shoulder, sur- shoulder surgery, uh, broke my thumb. I had a million things. But I think for me, it's, it's, it goes back to that mentality. I'm going to come back. What's the rehab? Instead of one pitch at a time, what do I got to do in rehab today to get better? What do I got to do in rehab today to get better? And I think that mentality for me allowed me to come back from my injuries and continue to play in the big leagues at a high level. But you, bro? Never knew that story, Case. It's a good one. You got lots of good stories too. Uh, about injury, I was, it felt like I was the king of the comeback, uh, as far as some of the major ones where, you know, Achilles, uh, for a pitcher, I guess if they happen, the, the, the sides that they have Achilles on my left foot, my landing foot was the better of the two to have than, than my push off leg, my quad injury, which basically, that was the most detrimental one, the worst one ever. I, I would never want to have to go through that one again. With the pain and the rehab, Dr. Stedman out in Vail said I would never walk again. He said it was one of the worst knees he'd seen. I said, well, you're one of the best surgeons in the world. You fix me. Put Humpty Dumpty together again. I think the really the, the thing of it is, is if you get hurt, if you keep showing up and you keep getting up, uh, you gotta, you got, it's hard with, with an audience of none. Or one, you know, in case you brought in your faith, I, I put your faith into God. Am I supposed to be a ball player? Am I supposed to be doing something else? Um, and, and not wanting to rip that uniform off. I, I think that's really the mentality. Do I want to keep punishing myself? We're paying dividends for all the, the injuries, whether it's, you know, full break, a career surgery, major surgery, or just even a, a slight strain or pull or tear. Uh, you know, if you're an athlete, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have to sustain them and you're going to have to modify and adjust what you do and how you think and think even above and beyond your healing powers, uh, are come from within and just your will and, and testament. Like I said, if you, you know, watch, watch Rocky Balboa, man. The guy was getting his butt beat, kept getting back up. The most unbelievable, you talk about sports just in general and, and things that we're talking about. The, the best part of that movie for me was that when you see Apollo Creed just go, my God, he, he was a deflated because Rocky kept getting up. 
you have to approach your 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 injuries or your hardships in the game like that. Like I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to wring out the towel dry until I know I'm getting everything out of myself. If you want, if you want, that's a question you sometimes yourself. Can you sustain that desire, that level of intensity, that you know, that that you know? Look at opinions of other people. I got a lot of them. And where I couldn't be a starter, I was not supposed to be on this team. I'm not. I'm supposed to go here. I read some of the blogs. I was looking at some pictures people were sending me online, and you know some negative articles about what people said. And then you know I never read fan uh, interactions underneath an article and stuff. I had to shut it off even even now because I was like, wow, they don't know what I was going through or whatever. And I go, I just started looking around my office as I'm pulling out and going. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I had a great career. I got what I had out of it. Opinions of others only matter if you allow them to affect what you're 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 doing. I will give it to Marcus Stroman, probably one of the most confident people. He's he's very boisterous. Like him, hate him, don't like him, follow him, don't follow him. The kid has a strong mentality of, you know, he's uh He's letting everybody know, like, I am alpha male. I'm here, and I'm, I'm here to do the job. And as long as I have this uniform on, he's doing it his way. Um, and there's a lot of guys, you know. I think that's what the beautiful thing about sports is, is that it is an art form. It's entertainment. We enjoy how other people play the game, celebrate. Now, uh, it's, it's it's widely acceptable. I used to get a knock for that <laughs> because I was celebrating. Uh, Stanton did, did a bad impression, the best, best impression. Got was uh, Adam Jones doing an impression on me, but uh, yeah, it, I think the game needs that that element of celebration. And uh, you know, I never was out to show up anybody. I was always celebrating with my teammates. Like I can't believe I after I peed, pooped, and puked that I'm able to go celebrate <laughs> all the and work. You know, and I was injured. Sometimes I was injured because I was butt hurt that I didn't even get a dry off. You know, at a four-inch series against Minnesota, I'm like, can I please get at least acknowledgement that I'm on the team? You know, <laughs> injuries injuries aren't always physical. You know, and uh, you get your feelings hurt. I got booed out of Detroit. That was that was painful. I'm like, geez, I thought I was doing doing fairly well here uh, until I lost it. Like, give me somewhere new. I can't I can't carry carry this burden on my back, but you know, it all worked out. I, you know, it worked out for me. You, you sustained some of that, and I, I think it's it's more fun, right? Case telling all the the painful stories. I think the, the good. I don't remember some of my best games. There's very few, maybe a handful of my best games, but the ones that, that I really remember and the tales that we tell are the ones where you know you're on your your back, the orbital bone, me with my Achilles rolling around. Uh, you know, so as severe as that is to just. You know, a, a bad week, uh, something that really hurt your your feelings. I get but four home runs in Toronto against the Yankees. I was like, geez, I, I tied a uh, I tied a major league record. You know, I'm amongst good company. I should have given up one more on the record. But uh, you know, those are things that hurt you, hurt you, and physically can wound you. But if you get back up again, like I said, like Rocky did, and it just deflates your opponent sometimes by just showing up. Like showing your coach, like I'm still here, man. You know, I'm I'm ready for war. Oh, so. 
Bro, I, bro, you know, it's like, I don't think I've ever brought this up in this way, but it's pretty funny because I know you were there. You know, talk about getting your feelings hurt. Um, when we were, it was, I think it was 2006. I had just gotten traded to the, um, just gotten traded to the Tigers. It's like, I'm probably three weeks in and, you know, whatever, doing my thing. We're playing the White Sox, full house, 60,000, Comerica Park, day game. I'm like, here we go. We're losing, I think we're losing like eight nothing at the time. And John Garland's throwing nasty buzzsaw sinkers, his cutters, sinkers. It's like no one could get a hit. And I come up my first at bat, rocket the gap. Brian Anderson makes this diving play. I'm like, oh, man. And I, at the time, bro, we talk about I was raking with no hits. So I, I knew I was raking, but I look up at the scoreboard like 207, 210. I'm like, oh, my guys are painful. Like, I can't get any hits, right? So, so boom, rocking the gap. He makes a play. I come up next to bat. Stinker away, wham! I hit a rocket to third. Joe Creedy, boom, he jumps up, catches it. Well, you never hustle out a line out. I know Bernsey's on this call. You know, Bernsey, you never hustle out a line out, you know, when you when you line out. So, boom, you know, I turn around, I'm all upset. I start walking off, and the crowd goes crazy. And I think, like, there's a fight in the stands or something. I'm like, why is the crowd going crazy? It turns out, Creedy didn't catch the ball. Friggin'. It, it changed my angle and it, it was now trickling towards left field. And Pop, I think Pablo Ozuna was out there, Marcelo Ozuna's cousin, right? And he had like an 80 arm. He's a shortstop. I'm like, what's Pablo Ozuna doing out there? I'm like, oh, I better start running because Creedy didn't catch it. So I turn around, stick my helmet back on, and just start, I start ice, ice skating and quicksand down the line. Just like, I'm like, why am I not fast for one time in my life? Boom, Ozuna comes up from left field. Boom! Freaking throws me out. Boom! Bang! Bang! Play! I'm like, what the heck? Couple f bombs. I'm yo. Know, crowds booing me off the field. Sixty thousand. Boom! You know, because it looks like I didn't hustle. Like you, if you looked at it in real time, like oh, but you look at the replay, you realize I stopped, turned around, and then went right. But it's so funny to like looking back. Like it's it's the truth. It, it's like it's the times like that that you look back and you're like, hey man. I'm laying it all on the line. Like I, I look, I look at that thing. It's, it's funny now to look back, but I was embarrassed back then. I was an embarrassing thing. You know, the only guy to ever get thrown off in left field five seven three. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. But I look back now. I look back now as an as a as a guy. And I look back and I say, you know what? It takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of guts to throw the slab when you don't feel good. It takes a lot of guts to get in the box day in and day out. And guess what, guys? Things happen that you don't necessarily expect. Embarrassing things happen, but not everything goes your way. But at the end of the day, you got to look at it and say, "Listen, I'm so grateful that I even get a chance to be embarrassed. I get a chance, you know. You get a chance to give up four home runs. I had a chance to get thrown off and left. It was the only guy in Major League Baseball history. It happened, but it's all good because I showed up every day, got in the box, and wanted to do it. But like, do I want to be thrown out five seven three? No. But hey, I'll I'll trade it. I'll, I'll do it again and again and again for the opportunity to have played day in and day out in the big leagues. And it was just an unbelievable ride. And I remember that. And one thing, bro, I want to say um, that I, one thing I live by, I always live by in the big leagues too, is never solicit feedback from spectators. You know, like, you know, the whole thing, if you're in the arena and you're getting it done, like, I don't really want to hear what you have to say about me because unless you've been in the box trying to hit that 98 mile an hour sinker, slide, whatever it is, Randy Johnson throwing a hundred with a 93 hour, 93 mile hour slider, like, I don't know, man. Like, I got to talk. I got to solicit feedback from guys that are in this arena with me getting it done every day. 
I'm sorry if I gave you too many bananas that day because you might have loaded you down. Have a cute moment. We we always said speed killed a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> well, you're a damn good hitter, buddy. You had a great great time in the box. No doubt about it. It was so, it was so great. I was I was uh, that night. I we went to Cleveland and, and uh, I went out to uh, dinner with my father-in-law and uh, we were sitting there, you know, having a couple pops and some wings or something. I look up and ESPN's top ten plays of the day comes out. I'm like Brian Anderson. John Casey walking the gap, Brian Anderson diving play, top number one play of the day. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. Then they do the untop ten, they're like, number one untop ten. John Casey gets thrown out the left. I'm like, oh my god, this is great. I'm number one on both polls tonight. <laughs> hey, that's the worst thing about going out. That's, Brian, that's the worst going out sometimes when you're just gonna go out and try to grab a bite to eat, kind of cool down at the restaurant. You got 28 TVs. You're like, oh, forget about the game, and you're reliving moments like that, like good, bad, or different. Yeah, sure, if you're punching out the side, but as a reliever, if unless you punch out the side, you're giving up a home run or embarrassing yourself, you know? <laughs> Things like that, you're just it's like, really, what the heck? The last thing you want to do is open from your drink and go, I'm trying to forget about this moment. How did it? Five times in a row, I just keep looping over here. <laughs> uh. That's awesome. Case, I just found that video clip on YouTube. We got to show this. this, is, this oh, no. <laughs> hey, 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 how about this real quick? I'm watching last night. My daughter, Jillian. Yeah, watch this. My daughter, Jillian, we're watching uh, uh, Embarrassing Moments in Baseball. She has it on the TV. I'm like, oh, what are we watching, Jillian? Embarrassing Moments? Next thing you know, she goes, Dad, is that you? I go, yeah, watch this, honey. Boom. I think going, I think Creedy catches it right there. I'm like, oh, yeah, he caught it. Well, he didn't catch it. Zuno comes up. Oh, my God. And bam. Oh, God. Hey. The umpire watches the army. Oh, look at this. Look at this cannon right here. Are you kidding me? The restraint. And this is the best part. Right here, watch it. This right here. I'm like, oh, I caught it. I turn around. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. I'm the helmet. Oh, man. He gets it. Oh, my Ron Colbert was the umpire. And a couple of years ago, I saw him at a, I saw him at um, uh, a bar in Arizona, and I and I think I I think I told the bartender he was sitting there by himself. I, t- I I said, hey, can you give me a shot of gin and put it thirty seconds in the microwave and send it down to that guy right there? So I said I sent him down a shot. He does a shot. He goes, oh, he goes, thanks a lot, Casey. Goes, yeah, no problem, Ron. He does a shot. He looks at me. I said, you should call me steak. You should. <laughs> Oh my God, so funny. Classic. Classic. Those are the moments when you, as a reliever, I'm thankful I'm not in the dugout because you know that case, we wanted to throw that helmet then. He was breaking some stuff down in the tunnel. As well as, you know, you don't ever want to laugh at your teammate, but you kind of go, it's it's one of those things because you know, (laughs) you're not laughing necessarily at, at your buddy, but you're like, all right, man, this is the stuff we haven't seen before. And we're living it with you. <laughs> no one's ever seen it, bro. No one's ever seen it, you know? Oh, so from 500 feet away, we were just like, we could laugh a little bit harder because, like, we know Casey ain't going to hear us. I, I, it was so quiet when it came to the I was waiting for someone to say something. I was like, please, I, I, for anyone's safety, I hope no one says anything. But I, I did annihilate a chair underneath. It felt so good. Though. I was, like, slinging it this way and slinging it this way. 
I think I might have hit myself with a door. Like, boom, boom, boom. It was just ricocheting off the, underneath in the tunnel right by the bathroom. Yeah, if it makes <laughs> you feel man, but, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yeah, I'm a total Macho Man. Total Macho Man. <laughs> I think, wasn't there uh, another teammate, Dimitri Young? I think he had an embarrassing moment where he fell down or slipped on the uh, – he couldn't even get up. I mean, there's tons of moments, right? I mean, that's why they make blooper reels. Uh, it's so many. I remember one, two case talking about bloopers, stuff like that, making fun of ourselves. You, you, we were down in Minnesota at the Metrodome, and that place got loud, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. We were down down 12 to nothing, or we were up 12 to nothing. You're like, hey, Grill, I'm playing behind the runner. I still picked over, and you're like, what the heck? I was like, I don't know. The hamster wheel was going <laughs> I threw over, and so you just told me, like, I'm playing behind. You weren't even covered. You're like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. I'm scared right now. I feel very vulnerable. I don't know what sign Pudge is going to do. Is Leland going to keep me in for a third of an inning? I don't know. I don't know where I am. <laughs> I just want to go back and get those chicken wings. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, this is so good. Dude, I, in, in that team, I remember Nate, Nate Robertson, too, told me, um, there was a play that you guys or some of the relievers worked on that Andrew Miller brought, I think, from North Carolina. They were just joking around one day. He's like, what he does is he's a lefty and he takes off his glove. He puts the ball, like he, he has the glove on his, on his, it looks like it's still on his, his hand, but he puts the glove on the other hand, puts the ball in his throwing hand. And then he, and then the, 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 as soon as the, the runner drops his, you know, puts his head down, he throws over, right? Well, no one ever told me. It was like, okay, I don't, I don't even know this trick. This is like freaking David Copperfield stuff. I'm like, okay, I've never seen this in my life. So he does this little thing. Nate Robertson, he's a lefty, and the guy puts his head down. Well, I put my head down too. I turned to talk to the runner, like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing after the game? Next thing I know, whoa, ball goes right on my face. I'm like, what the? And next thing you know, I'm running down the line to get it. Freaking other, the guy's going first to third. Dave McKay's a It's absolute bedlam, and I'm like, Nate. What are you doing? Like, I've never seen that before in my life. He goes, oh, I thought I told you that we were going to do that. I go, I've never heard of that, seen that in my whole life in baseball. And at least tell me to do it. I said, first off, you almost hit me in the face. Second off, I looked like an idiot because you threw it and I wasn't looking. Second, no one, no one expected it, you know? He had an orbital phone problem. I didn't know the other eye to be messed up. Yeah, I was like, I've been hitting the eye. I don't need to be hit again, you know? <laughs> I want to get turned up on a stretcher again, buddy. Yeah. Unbelievable! Oh. oh man, well, Kater, you got anything else? This is this is great, girl. We we appreciate you coming on, man. And, and uh, you know, maybe we could do this again, bro. You just just your stories and your personality, and just just one of the best dudes in this game has ever seen. One hundred fifty years. If you don't know Jason, really get to know him because uh, you know, just one of the best guys. And I just appreciate you coming on with us today, Grill, and and uh, and, and just sharing all your knowledge and and, and your wisdom and, and some of your stories. I don't know if we stayed on topic. I don't think I ever do with you, Case, but uh, always a good time. Brian, I, I, I enjoyed it. Hopefully, Case and I didn't steal the mic too much here. It's hard with us. Uh, we probably could go for a whole another hour and cover a whole lot more. Yeah, no, it's been great great to be here. I, I, I just had I had two two real quick questions for you, Grill. One, you mentioned earlier yeah. in, in the show here, love is energy. Unpack that for us just a little bit, man. Then again, you cut up. You cut up. You said yeah, early on in the show, man, when we were just getting going, you made it. You made a comment. You just said, "Hey, love is energy." Unpack that for us a little bit. What do you mean by that? It's his energy. 
Well, he said love is energy. Love is energy. He said love is energy. He wants to unpack that. Love is energy. Oh, love is energy. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no greater energy than love. When you learn love and passion about something, you know, just express it. You know, express it. I, I loved playing baseball. Like I, like I said, I had Mark Melanson here last night, and he questioned me. He goes, bro, do you really love it that much? I go, I feel like I, somebody just, you know, stuck a, a, a shockwave through me. You know, I just felt that energy, that bolt of like, and I look at some pictures of me just like celebrating or just jumping up and down. I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, but I go, I can't, I can't help it. Uh, when, when you love something, you can see it, you know, and I, and I love for the state of the game. Maybe, you know, I was maybe, I wasn't necessarily the trendsetter, but Batiste and everybody, it started being like, this is okay. This is more acceptable. Fans are liking it. We're not just walking off the field like, okay, I, don't, I can't celebrate. You've worked so hard. As long as you're not showing up the other guy, I think that, you know, you should celebrate that. You know, you work hard. At, it's acceptable in all other sports. Baseball uh, needed a little bit of that. I know that the, the Latin guys, uh, they always were known for the flair and, the, you know, the, the swag. One of the teams, the swaggiest teams that I played for was was with the Blue Jays. I loved that energy. I was like, I fit into this. It just was like, that was love, you know. And it, it just, um, it's easy to enjoy yourself, be yourself when you're surrounded by love. Whether it be your family, your friends, your teammates, the the fans, you know. Just that's when they say you see guys spraying the champagne, right? They always say. The common statement I always pick up was like, we had a good group of guys. There was love. You enjoyed being around your teammates uh, that supported you, that lived and died with you. You know, Case, right? We had some moments where we were sometimes just in a hotel room, just talking, praying about life and some of our struggles off the field. It's That's where you really go, wow, man, this guy's got my back. And, you know, when you go on the field, it could be the line drive. That you know, you snared and you saved it, saved the running. Like, and you knew where I was mentally. If that coupled on top of it, that would have really put me in another hole or whatever. There's a lot of things that I think guys got to really go. Hey, you need me. I'm here. I'm, I have the same pains and bows as you. Uh, but I'd love to see more passion on the field and expressions because the game needs that. You know, it's more fun to watch when you see people loving on the game. It's a love and respect for the game. The Latins and the Italians bringing the love and bringing the energy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> really, last question I got for you, man. I got two French Bulldogs that uh, I think the world of, man. And I saw you got Glover, dude. How's Glover doing, man? Glover's good. Uh, he, I found out he had an autoimmune disease. I almost lost him. You know, if you yeah. lose your, one of your man's best friend, he's he's still with us, doing good. Uh I might want to add another one because they're, 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 uh, high anxiety kind of dogs and they're, they don't like being lonely. So I got Glover for obvious reasons. His name after a baseball name, Glove, and Glover. I'm looking maybe to add another dog and call him Fielder or something like that, you know? Although, although, although I went over, I went over, I went over Grilly's house recently. He's like, Hey, bro, if you get there before I do, just, you know, care for the dog. He just wants to sniff you and stuff. Don't put your hand down by him because he'll bite you. I'm like, Hey, bro. I'll wait for you to get home, girl. I'll be in my car in your driveway. Like, and like there, I open up my drive. Here comes the dog, Glover, just. Uh, I was like, okay. Take it easy, Glover. I, I didn't want to give up the farm. It literally like case sues me or something. You know, I don't want to give up my, my new acquired farm. So, we're going to Casey's, Casey's farm. 
Hey, we don't know you can't run away from them. We know you can't run away from them. So you better <laughs> stop. <laughs> about you. Don't real catch you quick. <laughs> Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. This is Brian Kane, and I would love for you to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show. I'd also love to engage with you directly on social media. So please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. And then make sure you head over to BrianKane.com and check out some of our articles on our blog, some of our videos. And if you're a coach looking to master mental performance and up your game so you can help your clients get the results they've been looking for check out my mental performance mastery coaches certification where we teach you about the mindset routines and habits that your clients need to get the results they've been looking for if you're an athlete or a performer listening to this podcast head over to briancane.com and click on athletes check out my 30 days to mental performance mastery for athletes program where i walk you through and coach you virtually to help you master the mental game and give yourself the best chance for success thanks for being with us here on the podcast Let's dominate the day.